You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to episode number 31 of Living the Dream with Rory O'Malley. If you like the podcast, remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Audition, side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Living the Dream. I am your host, Rory O'Malley. I have been away for a little bit of time. My apologies, but I have been having a blast in San Francisco, enjoying the summer, enjoying family and friends who've been here to visit me and see the show. My mom was here for a week. My husband, Gerald, was here. It has just been a wonderful wonderful time here in San Francisco doing Hamilton and and you know just hanging out. We've also been doing the show like crazy, which you know we always are. But we just this week, the the 4th of July week, we did the show 7 times in 4 days, which I think is a record. At least it's I'm sure someone some other company has done the show 7 times in 4 days. Certainly there've been long runs of, you know, no day off or like 16 shows in a row, but seven times in four days is a lot. I think it's pretty much as much as you can do legally <laughs> of, of Hamilton. Um, but we, we got through it. This cast is incredible. Their stamina and their dedication to the show and, uh, the whole company in general, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable, but yeah, I've been taking some time off and enjoying this wonderful city that we're in, which is hard to do. It's because we're at the theater so much. And when you're not at the theater, you want to relax, but man, you've got to enjoy your surroundings when you're in a city that's as great as as San Francisco. And uh, I've been lucky to get to do that. Um, I am also glad that I was able to talk with my guest this week, Isaiah Johnson. Isaiah plays General George Washington. It's my second George Washington on the podcast. I I realized that after I spoke with him, I've also spoken to Christopher Jackson, who's one of our earlier episodes. Um, Isaiah is a great guy, a wonderful dad, good husband, and so good in the show. He has a really interesting story, and uh, he was actually a part of the workshop of Hamilton when Christopher Jackson couldn't be a part of it for one of the uh, times they did the the workshop, he stepped in and played George Washington. So he's been a part of it for a long time. And his performance is pretty remarkable. We also talk about his performance in The Color Purple, where he played Mr., a really complicated character. And he was so magnificent in it. Um, He's a great actor, a good guy, and his dressing room is right next to mine. So He's one of the few people in the cast that I get to see every show. (laughs) Everyone else, I have to work pretty hard to go find them since, you know, they're on stage when I'm backstage or vice versa. So uh, enjoy my conversation with Isaiah Johnson. Testing, Testing, we're on. We're in the drum room, back in the drum room, trying to find a space in this theater that is not being occupied or used is almost impossible. Hamilton employs 250 people currently across <laughs> all casts. Is that the true number? It's, it's the true number. How, you know things like this. How, who told my, you I 200? Keep my, I keep my ear to the ground. My God. And as many tours as we give, you learn a lot of information just right. on the bye-bye. Because you need, you need some tidbits when you bring people backstage. I need a new tidbit. 
Every tour. I have the <laughs> same lines that I've been giving for the last year. Yep. I haven't changed one damn thing. No, it's like Disney. This I start is, with the costumes, yeah. and I work my way around to the stage. I take them through the little secret door, which I don't know if I'm supposed to do, but I do it anyway. Right. To make and everyone then, feel special. That's right. And I stop by, you know, talking about the bricks of revolution. Uh-huh. <laughs> I even put some of my own philosophy on it. The, the bricks, bricks of, of revolution. revolution. That's like the design? That's David's design? or The bricks of revolution. Oh. These bricks we could use closer. to build, or these bricks we could use to throw. Typically in America, we choose to build with them instead of throw them. Although sometimes I feel like it's warranted that they should be yeah. thrown. Other countries throw them. I don't know why we can't. We're trained. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm only, I'm only saying that because like it occurred. Like I was doing a show in London. Right. I was doing a show at the Old Vic, and while I was there. I would watch the news every day. I would read, like, all the papers. I fell in love with London because of the news, the quality of their news. Right. And I am somebody who reads the news every morning. Like, I, I read the newspaper or whatever. And I was there, and students who were upset that they had raised the cost of, like, student tuition. tuition yeah. Literally waited outside of Buckingham Palace and threw tomatoes and shit at the royal car. Wow. And I was just like, on student tuition, they did that. Yeah. There's a certain aspect of democracy, I feel like, that we're not exercising. And although I don't condone somebody throwing a brick. Right. uh, That was an exaggeration. However... In terms of, like, citizens taking power into their own hands to say, like, we're not going to stand for that anymore besides a march. Because right. a march isn't really inconvenient. The police make sure you don't block the path of the important people that you're marching against. Right. So it's like, it's a statement. It's more of a statement to get the other parts of the United States that aren't aware right. aware of the issue. Sure. That's the purpose that marches do now. Yeah. A, well, it, it's a uh, great tunnel. to have you on the podcast. Um, <laughs> there's a my long... God. <laughs> We've never launched so quickly into <laughs> the civil depth. disobedience. Yes. Um, uh, no, I, I know what you're saying, and I, and I think that's that's totally true in a lot of ways, that uh, other, other cultures and other places maybe are a little bit more rebellious, and we used to be the rebels, and certainly we tell the story of how we were rebels. Yeah. Uh, every single show um but there are you know there there are certainly a lot of people trying right now yes you know yes. they're doing they're they're making their best effort Absolutely. and and you know you know a for effort and yes. and and who knows who knows and hopefully with all of the peaceful discourse i think yeah. that it's it, you know it really is getting the information out there yeah. what what you know and waking people up that's right. And I think that, you know, I think part of the reason is we're just such a young country, right? Yeah. Like, part of the reason this doesn't happen is because we're young. We've never had a coup. The government's never been turned over. Right. Like, there's so many um, activities that go on in other countries that are just older than we are. And so yeah. the people are more familiar right. with the reason why they're throwing tomatoes. They know right. the history. Right. We're still trying to figure it out. Right. I was just reading the news the other day, and... Um, NPR, every 4th of July, they post the entire Declaration of Independence. People were commenting that it was propaganda because they didn't know the Declaration of Independence. Right. Because the parts saying that you can overthrow a tyrant, they thought were (laughs) referring to someone who's holding the office of president. And and yeah, I mean, it's, it's... it's a crazy world we live in right now. Yeah. It's hard. It's, 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 things are happening so quickly. Yes. And everyone's trying to respond in the best way they can, even that's if right. that means just breathing. That's <laughs> right. Know? Absolutely. Like, just breathing. And that's and, necessary. Yeah. Because we're also an emotionally based country. I mean, yeah. I think that we as citizens in America, we respond to something um emotionally right first we're not very well read as a country i mean mm-hmm. it's evident in our literacy rate as it compares to the rest of the world but i think that you know we because we are emotionally responsive more so than other things right breathing is necessary for us yeah 
It's important sure. for us. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah. clearly this is, you know, something that is is important to you. Yeah. Be having a, a political conscience and having a, a, the discourse and, mm-hmm. and, and thinking about that. Has that increased because of Hamilton? I mean, clearly it's always been there. You sure. said you always read the news. Yeah. But what, how has being a part of Hamilton, being George Washington, yes. being this character that has so much weight on his shoulders mm-hmm. that you have to that you have to play out mm-hmm. eight times a week. Mm-hmm. How has that changed your perspective or has it made you just think so much more about the world? Yeah, I think for me, uh, you know, doing this play at this time, I think what has influenced me the most is like steeping myself in the history, the yeah. actual information, the Ron Chernow biographies and, you know, other aspects of his- history that that are pertain to the story that we're telling. I think that's influenced me more just because my understanding, I feel like, because I know the history, my understanding about what's happening now is, um, it's just more well-rounded, I'll say. I don't want to say more mature, but it's just well-rounded. I find that a lot of people today, especially some of our younger, newer, politically savvy folks, they don't know the history. And so they... A, they think that everything that the issues that we're having are new. Right. B, they think Trump is the worst we've ever had. Mm-hmm. C, you know, they don't understand that we are a very young country and we're still trying to figure out who we are and what we stand for. Mm-hmm. We're still trying to come together on that. You know, up until now, it's been the select few 1% people who are determining that for the entire country, but the entire country has never necessarily gone along with that. Right. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. We're, we're, we're too young to revolt against something that we haven't decided collectively that that's us. Well, and also I think that everyone has access to information in, and quickly in yeah. a way that has never been the case before with the internet. And I think that's changing everything. Yeah. I think in the last 10 years, the fact that people are putting their thoughts out there yes. <laughs> personally uh, over Twitter and online through social media, I think that that has, has changed our views on who we are because yes. everyone has a, literally a platform yes. to speak from. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. The town crier. We are all town criers in our own own town. Yes, that's right. Uh, Which is why I think it's important for artists to be uh, politically conscious. You don't have yeah. to be. I'm not saying that every artist should be a revolutionary, but you should definitely know what's happening in society. You should be a part of it and you should know that you have the opportunity to be a part of its change. I think next to politicians, I think, you know, Music artists, Hollywood artists, artists who are part of the American marketing machine that Americans created and gave to the rest of the world is our most important export. I think we all have an opportunity and the influence to be able to actually establish what is American culture. Because we already have. We just did it, you know, by the way. Right. I shared my talent. Everybody seemed to love it. And now everybody's on you know, my, my, I don't know, talent train. But then it goes beyond that because if I get on tweet and tweet something, everybody understands, you know, they're hit to that right. as well. It's like, oh, damn. Right. I thought I was just a singer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Turns out I'm a voice. <laughs> <laughs> a voice of a generation. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's back up. Yeah, let's back okay, up. Where, <laughs> where do, where, who are you? Where yeah. did you come from? And, okay, yeah. and, you know, like, where did you grow up, first of all? Yeah. I grew up a lot of different places. Okay. My mother was in the military, mainly Alaska. It's amazing. I moved to Alaska from Louisiana when I was about ten or eleven. Wow. You know, and uh, what part of Alaska? Anchorage. Anchorage. So not the cold, icy part, right? But the cold, icy part. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not Florida. Alaska's huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what people don't understand. It's the it's the largest state we have. You can only right. fit one Alaska in the United States. Right. So I think that um, you know what people know of Alaska, it's it's huge. You know, yeah. it takes it's a six hour flight just to get to the middle of it from Anchorage. Yeah, I mean, people fly around in planes, yeah. like cars, because it's yeah. the only way to really travel in between absolutely, towns, right? Absolutely, and, and that's mainly 
up north or if you're going like off of the mainland down the Aleutian chain, but otherwise. So you grew up, so did you go to high school in in Anchorage? See there, the stool just did that. That We're in the drum room and a stool vibrates. (laughs) I told you, didn't it scare you? I'm going to unplug it. just, I don't understand our drummer John. PTSD. I know. I don't. I don't know. Don't don't worry about it. It'll, it'll be it. fine. It's taped together. It'll be a, a part of our comedy. Does that here. happen while he's playing? I I think so. That's I insane. think it keeps you keeps you awake. Is that what that does? I don't know. That's... I really don't know. If you're a drummer, can you please uh, email in uh, why you would want your stool to vibrate? I'm gonna go ahead and say just you know for it, this like, stool is plugged in that's it's plugged in but it's not it's that's not a hamilton thing i don't want people to think that <laughs> hamilton it, are tyrants and they <laughs> um i i think it's i think it's to keep your butt from falling asleep john voluntarily paid for that to keep himself awake <laughs> i think so i hope so it's john's but idea what I do, okay i get that but what i don't understand is why is he's not here it, why nothing, is it vibrating? Why is it vibrating? No one's touching anything. <laughs> I literally, I was in this room by myself. Yeah. Actually, no, I was with Emmy, and it just started going off. We were going, we were working on something. It's and aggressive. It's aggressive. It it literally shakes like it's an earthquake. It's, it's its own little earthquake. <laughs> it's okay. We'll be okay. A little butt quake. <laughs> It'll be fun. So you're in Alaska. You go to high school in Alaska? I went to high school in Alaska, And, Alaska, and what's yeah. the theater scene in Alaska? The How did theaters. you get into... It's not really a scene, but, I mean, there are a lot of, you know, I can't call them expats because Alaska is a part yeah. of the United States, but... There are a lot of people who have moved to Alaska who did the arts in New York, who did right. it, you know, they're they're highly educated in music and drama. And, you know, I think I was fortunate enough to be able to kind of start discovering that skill set in Alaska. I did all the high school play. Well, not all of them, but I did a lot of the high school plays and musicals. And I did swing choir and all state choir and the Anchorage wow. Youth Symphony and all that stuff. Um, you know, I definitely steeped myself in the arts when I went there, um, which have been a totally different experience that I stayed in Louisiana. But, um, you know, that kind of started the bug, I would say, maybe. Right. I still didn't think that it could be a professional thing. I didn't decide that I could possibly be a professional actor like for my life until I was a junior in college. Really? Yeah. And where did you go? Howard University in D.C. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which is also why I think I've, I was the arts was introduced to me in the way of it being responsible for social change. Sure. Like it was never not that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the people that taught it to me. I went to Howard. It was the only school I applied to because I fell in love with the city of D.C. Because in Washington, D.C., artists have been doing this since the beginning. Like it's just that environment. That's the type of artist they create. They create artists who are. Their social change takes them uh, change takes them beyond just you know singing their folk song on the stoop. Sure, they you know they 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 gather the community together. You know mm-hmm. they use that thing to like do fundraisers for schools or kids. You know what I mean? Like or or to make a point or to have a yeah, message. Yeah, to make a point. But I mean it, it go it it goes beyond just the talent like right they use the talent in order to galvanize the community yeah in a more like roll up your sleeves active way do you know yeah. what i mean yeah so you're singing on the stoop becomes like no would you sing when the kids are coming to eat the free breakfast that we've all done a fundraiser for sure it's not just it's not it, it, just it's, about, it, about the, the artist yeah <laughs> yeah i I've, i have uh there was a, a when i was at school mm-hmm um, one of the directors told us that he had this student who was in 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 class, and we were they were talking about Greek theater, mm-hmm. and the student said, "So what you're saying is in Greek theater that it's more about the audience mm-hmm. than the actor." Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Actually, all theater is about <laughs> the audience, not just this and." That's really interesting that you would say that. Yeah. And it always kind of stuck with me because I think that obviously we know that this is for an audience, mm-hmm. but it really is like what what else it, what is it t- supposed to do for an audience? Mm-hmm. Not just entertain, but yeah. like stimulate 
uh, create, yes. uh, give, you yes. know, what, what are the, what are the things that it can, can do for an audience? And, yeah. you know, it's, it's something like, like Hamilton. Sure. Mm-hmm. You see the, the effects of it every single day, but sometimes you're in a, you're in a job or a role mm-hmm. that you, you don't, but, but you're saying at Howard, you got involved in theater and it was just inherently, yeah. this is about giving back to That's community, right. giving back to yes. your audience. Yeah. It, it, you know, what we do is always hey, how supposed you doing? to be an act of service, you know, sure. it was never not supposed to be an act of service. You know, this whole idea about acting being like a career now, that's something that's very, very new and recent. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you really look at it, like Al Pacino, Meryl Streep, you know, Susan Sarandon, like the, that um generation of actors yeah they were outside of like folks in hollywood who literally got lucky because somebody saw them at a party and put them in a film do you know what i mean like outside of that that generation of actors the actor studio guys the conservatory guys those were the ones who actually for the first time were able to like i'm gonna train i'm gonna actually train as an actor because I love the craft so much. Yeah. And then them becoming like millionaire A-listers was a byproduct of that. Sure. After that generation did that, everybody after them was just like, oh, I can get a degree in it. Yeah. I can go to grad school. Right. I can like basically structure my future in this kind of corporate mentality of acting. Sure. And that's what's happening now. But I challenge everybody to just keep in mind that it's an act of service. It always has been. I don't think it it's it was never supposed to be, you know, the corporate job. And we're right. fighting for that now. Sorry. Thank you. There's, There's a, a little bug in here. We're fighting for I that say, now. Uh, I'm obsessed now. Um, we're we're still fighting, you know, for the right for what we do to be still considered a real regular job. Mm-hmm. You hear it every day in the questions people ask us after the show when we sign autographs. Like, people still don't understand that. No, this this is, it's a job that yeah. you can train for and be quite proficient at. Yeah. And it is a service that obviously we as um, inherently as human beings need and will always have. Yeah. But the fact that we're still kind of fighting for the right, you know, even the simple fact that when taxes come around. You know, they take what we make in a week and be like, oh, this is what you're making in a year. Not true. Right. It's a six month contract. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like our taxes should be we should be in a different category. I feel like if you're an artist, the same way you get tax breaks if you're sometimes, you know, if you're in the educational field or Mm -hmm. in a in a in a field of service, our field should be considered a field of service, Hmm. in my opinion. Right. Well, I I mean, so so you are in Howard. You're that's where you got that kind of that, like that's where that was developed that, that it's an act of service yeah so but it's an act of service and it's also uh hard to get a job <laughs> so 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 how did you go from this is something that yeah. i'm i'm doing and it's an act of service to i'm going to do this professionally uh well, there's kind of two reasons. One, I got into a point in college where I had to take two non-consecutive semesters off. I ran out of money. I was sleeping in my car for about three months. Really? I was couch surfing with friends. In in D.C.? In D.C. I, um, I, you know, I had a Dodge Intrepid. <laughs> and if you know, it's a compact car, but it is spacious on the inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was sleeping in my car, man. And, you know, I got a job. In corporate America slash the nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I'm not in school. Right. I'm working a regular job. But I've gone to school to study this craft. If there's ever an opportunity for me to get the professional experience or to at least step out there and see, now's the time. Because right. I couldn't audition for professional shows while I was in school. So right. I was like, this is the time. So I went on an audition. For Once on This Island, the choreographer of Once on This Island, Michael Bobbitt, was directing another show called Petite Rouge. And I got two shows in one audition, and that automatically gave me my equity card because they were two equity shows. Wow. And to this day, I always give him credit for getting my equity card. Yeah. And that kind of started my professional career. That was back in 2003. Right. Um, 
And fortunately, you know. So you got your equity card at that point where you're like couch surfing and yeah. sleeping in your That's car right. if, That's if, right. if necessary. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. It's right? pretty cool. So I, I was working pretty regularly because DC is a small community and I decided to go back and finish school. But that kind of started my professional career and I've kind of pretty much been doing that professionally ever since. I mean, right. you know, I've always loved teaching, so I've always taught and built on my experience as an educator whenever I wasn't doing a show. But I've, you know, there's only been, you know, maybe twice where I've been completely without work. Really? And one of those years was when I had decided to just turn down anything that I felt like was not, um, was not, challenging enough basically so since 2003 you've only had two periods of time where you weren't working like two periods of time consistently like where there's like a long yeah. stretch where i like i need to go get another job i've right. always had like another side hustle or two right. to like keep the rent do you know sure. what i mean but primarily there's only been like really two times where there's been like a long stretch without any work right. now what i consider work is just doesn't have to be broadway i've only done Four or five Broadway shows, but oh, like only I, four or five. Hey, listen, <laughs> Grace and Kingsbury has done eleven. He got the gypsy oh. robe. Oh my god! Well, I mean, this, I'm amazed by that because I, I am, I as far as like work that pays, like mm-hmm. work that actually like you know that would feed you. I've had. I, I don't even know how many times I've gone through that period. And yeah. and we're about the same age. Yeah. You're younger. I'm the oldest person in the cast. Um, you're the only – you almost came close. I could have could have not had that title. <laughs> Damn it. I wish I had it. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> but there has been years, including, including 2015, mm-hmm. where I worked probably seven weeks – yeah. Out of 2015. Yes. You know? So I, I'm always amazed because there, there are a lot of people who I, I – it's – Yes. It's been a learning experience for me mm-hmm. to have these conversations with mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. because, you know, there are people who are like that or even – who haven't worked even more. Yeah. But there are people like you who have had consistent work. Yeah. And I've got – that's got to be – it's wonderful. Yeah. But it, it, I wonder how that shapes your perspective yeah. of this industry. Have you ever – have you ever wanted to quit? Yes. Okay. Because I'm every the, the, show I do, I want to quit. <laughs> while while you're in the show, while I'm in the show, wow. there hasn't been not one show where at least some point in the run, I'm right. like, oh god, got to get out hard. of here. <laughs> it's yeah. just hard. Now see, I and see when I I've wanted to quit, but yeah. it's while I'm not working. <laughs> Do you understand? What I'm, I want to yeah. quit looking. while I'm not working. That's when I want more. <laughs> I don't want to quit when I'm not working. Well, because you because you got two weeks. Because I need it. Because you're talking about two weeks. I mean, you know, like for me, like the 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 times that are that have been the hardest for me is when I, I literally have no idea what I'm doing. And people right. now, yes. even even with, with this job, as soon as I got this job, mm-hmm. I'm in New York and people are like, what are you doing next? And yeah. I will say, are you out of your mind? I know. I just started in Hamilton on Broadway. How dare you yes. ask me what's next? I don't know. That's I'm right. going to be the king until I retire at 65. Yes. So, you know, like for me, it, it's just like, such a relief mm-hmm. to get to be and maybe because I'm more of a character guy you know mm-hmm. and because I I literally didn't work for a paycheck for the first three years out of out of college mm-hmm. I may I my first job was like seven dollars a show yeah so I I just think it's interesting because yeah. that's, that's got to shape our totally. perspectives on what this absolutely and profession and is it is but it's also too Everybody attacks the business differently. Yeah. And I, for a long time, had no representation. Right. I did not get representation until I came out of grad school. Mm-hmm. So any job that I had... Wait, so when did you go to grad school? I went to grad... I didn't go to grad school till to, uh, 2007. 7, 8, 8, 9, 9, 10. Right. So anything before 2000, 2010, actually, is when I got Abrams. So... Right. Anything before 2010, I literally got on my own. Right. Through like sheer will, hustle, annoying people, 
Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I had no rep, no manager, no agent. Right. And so I think, and I said yes to everything. Yeah. So for me, it doesn't matter if I'm if I'm doing the craft and it's not paying me enough to cover rent. It's still a job. Sure. I consider it still a job. Sure. Even if it's like, you know, so when I say I haven't, you know, I, I've been working consistently, like right. I've been doing. You've the, been doing your craft. I've been doing. It's not necessarily what's been filling up your bank account. Oh, my God. It hasn't been enough. So I'm not saying that I wasn't working and still struggling. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that there's only been a, a couple times when I literally have not been doing the craft. Right. You right. know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the regional theater, I stayed in regional theater. And actually, one of the years that I didn't work a lot was the year when I was like, I'm not doing regional theater. Mm-hmm. That was the first time. So mm-hmm. when I decided that I wasn't doing regional theater, mm-hmm. I was just in New York trying to make it happen. No job. Mm-hmm. Catering. <laughs> catering. <laughs> With like three different companies. Yeah. Um, I've done a lot of catering. Oh, my God. Day. I always was I, every so many time rich I see somebody. Is every time I see a caterer, I always go for the food. I'm like, I know you have to clear this plate. I know that you have the pressure to get rid of this food. Oh. So let's get. I'll eat it for you. <laughs> I took many a silver tray home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Folded it in half. Yeah. <laughs> with saran wrap and a bottle or two of something. Nice. Nice. Um, and then the second year that I didn't work a lot was when I made a conscious choice. I just like, I just don't want to be an under I don't want people in New York to think of me just as an understudy right or just as in the ensemble mm-hmm. so I made a conscious choice to literally turn down every job that I felt like that's not going to challenge me right I know I know that's not going to challenge how me. how hard of a decision is that to make hard mm-hmm. hard and a decision is not for every artist to make that's not a decision every artist should make I think that you should only make it if you truly feel in your life that you're at the point where you're willing to make that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that's not about ego. It's more so just about the same thing that led you to your first audition. Let's just see what happens. Right. And trust, after that year, when I had turned down all that stuff, one of the first jobs I had back was the understudy in Sideshow. Really? Yep. Understudying Jake. But at that point, my perspective in taking that job was different. It wasn't about being an understudy. It Mm -hmm. was actually about, I have some financial goals. I need this job. You have a family. I have a family now, yeah. But at the time, I was just like, I need this job. I'm going to do this job for a certain period of time. So that, you know, I started thinking about it like, no, I need a job. I need a salary. I need money so that I can... Do certain things and yeah. save, and do you know right. what I mean? As you get older, you, your priorities your priorities change. change. So being an understudy, it had no scar on my ego. It had yeah. nothing to do with me. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. No worries. You gonna bang on the drum? Do you have to test everything? Yeah, you guys want to see me play? Yeah, do it. Drum test. All done. Wow, that was fast. You yeah. didn't do the cymbals. Oh, I see. Yeah, you can hear the mics. The cymbals will work. Yeah, yeah. If they don't, John will know. Now, do you know about this stool and that it vibrates? Oh, totally. Why? Uh, Oh, wait. Turn it on. It's on. Everybody wants to know this. You're being recorded. Um, it's called a butt kicker. Mm, Okay. Interesting. Uh, says butt kicker. Yep. Um, anything that's like super low end, like all like all the bass, uh, John will like feel it in his seat, and Uh it's just like. It's just a little more feeling. So, you're, it, I mean, a lot of times I think drummers have, like, subs around them. Right. So it's, like, compensating for that. I oh. see. Then, like, so they can know, feel so the, the bass. bass guitar, the bass. Yeah, and, like. In the, the piano, too? Like, I can feel that in the seat. Oh. Oh. Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, now. Does it transmit the bass? I thought it was there? so that his butt awesome. didn't fall asleep. That's what I thought too. To that, keep his back no, moist. I think, don't Does laugh. Jake have I one think of those? A, no. He needs one. I want one in front of house too. But I think everyone me, should have one. No, no, but Jake's back is hurting. He needs this. That'll yeah, be like the true. vibration he needs for his spine. But here's my other question. Why does it move sometimes on its own? Because somebody out there was playing yeah, bass. Yeah, so if like Dan's warming up, 
Mm-hmm. Like, even if he plays, we'll go through this, essentially, because it's all low end, you know? Last question. Why are there mosquitoes in here? Okay, because I never seen are they mosquito mosquitoes? Yeah, That's a, that was there's a mosquito. All right, well we have a mosquito issue. I hate mosquitoes <gasps> in the drum room. Right, Thank well, you so much. Thank you. Yeah, of course, carry on. Carry on. Uh, good conversation. Sure. Good vibes. Um. Thank you. To be continued, I will also say that I am one of the only actors my age whom you'll meet. That had had that has had a very very traditional trajectory, yeah, traditional. Like yeah. I I you know did the arts in high school, studied in the college. I just, my first job was doing literally children's theater, pipe and drape theater, folding my own clothes, ironing my own costume, traveling right. in the back of a hot ass van from gymnasium to gymnasium in West Bumblefuck. Yeah, I did that for two years. You know, yeah, and then I like moved up to like do something in a smaller theater, the, the Woolly Mammoth Theater in DC or the H Street Playhouse, right? Then I moved up to do, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, I've had a long you've paid your dues, you are no, you've done not your... even that. I just it's just I've always thought of this thing. i my biggest desire for this whole the outcome of this whole unrealistic life, right. Is that I can have a very long, steady career that by the end, people will just look back and say, he was a good artist. Like, yeah. he was a good actor. Like, I don't yeah. need the awards. That's what, that's what, that's been the biggest payoff for me. It's just, I just want a long, steady, productive career. And at the end, I just want people to look back and be like, yeah, he was good. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, I don't believe in, you know, the paying your dues. I don't believe in that. It's just it, you're always paying your dues. Hmm. If you want to stay in this for life, you're always paying your dues. Right. Because you're paying your dues to all the artists that came before you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not even like there's no end to the dues that you should be paying, especially as long as we're doing something that the rest of the world doesn't consider a real job. Right. We're all like half lucky. You know what I, you know what it's fun, or fun, you know what's interesting is every time uh, I talk to people about Hamilton, about what we do, they always say, is it just so much fun? And I, and it is, it is, so. it's literally, it could not be more fun, especially for me. Like I, you know, obviously, (laughs) but what, you know, when people keep asking me that so much, it's, it's, I want to start talking to them about them yeah. and what's going on with them not because like i know what they're saying to me mm-hmm. but it's because it's the number one question that i'm asked over and over again are you having so much fun you look like you're having so much fun and i am and then you start to feel challenged like am i having f- enough fun like am i enjoying the moment as much as it looks like i am and I, I I think I am, but you know what I mean? It kind of screws with you. And I think that it's kind of along the lines of what you're saying is that people don't think of it as a job. Yes. And I've sometimes have the conversation with people and saying, it is fun. It's great. But it's a lot of work and it's a lot of dedication and it, it is a job. You know, like it's it's okay. And they get disappointed and they don't really want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. And and so I I, I feel like especially people who are listening to this. Yes. If some people are, you know, half an hour into a podcast episode of yeah, mine, yeah. then they they understand that, you know, that it is a job. Like yeah. they get, you know, that's one of the reasons that they're listening to it is that yeah. I think it's always, it's it, to me, doing Book of Mormon, doing Hamilton, yeah. and realizing this is as great and as much fun as you can have on a stage as humanly possible. To reach those heights and yeah. know that it still turns into a job on some days. Sure. That's liberating to me because everything is work and that's okay. Like you can still be full of joy and still have days that are work um no matter what you're doing. Yeah. And the and you know, you could pose that question to anybody in any profession. Right. You know, your number cruncher for IBM, awesome. Are you having fun? Mhm. Right. If and the answer is if the answer is no, the right. validity of that question is right. still the same. Sure. Do you want to? Would you rather be doing something that you'd have fun at? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Which which everyone does. I think that there's this like there's this idea that there are jobs out there that aren't work at all, and they're just completely fun. And 
nothing worthwhile mm-hmm. is easy and only fun. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge. Yeah. And that's like what life is about. That's yeah. what, you know, and, you know, I don't know. It is, it's always interesting to talk to people about this. And yeah. I always, especially when you're playing the king and you're only on stage for 20 minutes. Obviously, I'm not really working. I know that. I'm, no, I'm, I'm fully aware. But, you know, it, it's, there are still days. You have to stay in hard. it. Your job, listen, you and the ensemble have the hardest job, I think, in Hamilton. Because well, the ensemble for sure. The ensemble for sure, and I definitely think you because you have to stay in it, no matter how you're feeling. Yeah, and in between such long stretches, right? You have to stay in it. My contact folded in oh, my no. eye, so I'm just trying to work it out. No, it's fine. It's okay. Oh, you're it's just, good with it. Yeah, I see. You just got a little circular so motion. Long. Yeah, and it and goes right back in. Does kinda, it happen on stage sometimes with your contacts? Yeah. And it's annoying. There it is. Oh, there it is. Better for it to come out than to get stuck Here, in. Here, do you go to the restroom? No, no, I have new ones. I'll just leave that for John. <laughs> I'm going to put it on his butt vibrator. <laughs> okay, we're just going to keep that a little secret that you just flicked the contact into the drum set. Yeah. John doesn't listen to this. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I had LASIK done in oh, 2010. Is it good? I mean, it's great. It feels like x-ray vision, and I love not having to worry about contacts, but it's a major thing. Like, I kind of went into it thinking it was going to be zap, zap, and yeah. you're done. And it's like, you sign the papers saying you know you could go blind. You, if I had a friend watch it be done. You could see on a video screen it happening, and they slice your eye open. So it's it's major. So I always say that I'm like, yes, it's wonderful and it's been life changing for me. But, but you still could major, go blind. Sure, yeah, you could go blind doing it. That's now I've awkward. said now, like I, I am very happy with my results. I've heard from other people who didn't have great results. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not not like they went blind, but you know, it is a it's a risky thing. But I did do it because of being on stage. I know that's the problem, and you save so much money in the end. You know how much do. money I've spent on yeah. contacts and eyeglasses yeah. since I was ten years old, eight years old. I've had glasses, since but I now was like you, you know I can't wear glasses. I kind of miss that. Like just once in a while, I don't. Yeah. I never liked to wear glasses yeah. until I didn't have to anymore. Yes, and I was like, oh, I no could. reading glasses either. No, just I mean I I'm sure I will at some point because it doesn't it doesn't fix last. your reading. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, so anyway, off of contacts, where yeah. were we? Fun. Fun. Oh my Isn't gosh, so much, so much fun. fun. Okay, so let's go back to you You take the understudy job. You, you, you yeah. just, you're like, I have different priorities. They yep. change. Um, af- that's for Sideshow. Yep. So was that your, that wasn't your first Broadway show. What what order was that in? Uh, uh, that, that was uh, my third. Third. That was my third. Okay. So you are in you're in that show and that wasn't too long ago, right? No. Did so, sideshow. It closed early. Right. I was actually doing sideshow while I was rehearsing for sideshow, I was doing intimate apparel out at the Westport Playhouse. Oh, okay. In Connecticut okay. And doing the commute every day. Wow. And so um but then when the intimate apparel ended, I was just doing sideshow and then sideshow closed early and I did I can't remember if I I can't remember what order Hamilton came. The lab production of Hamilton. Right. When they first put it the choreography when we first put it on its feet. Right. You get the call. I was able to do that in Washington's role. Wow. Because Chris just happened to be not be available at that time. Right. And then uh but I can't remember. What was that? That like? was in April. It was insane it was amazing because i was at the new york stage and film festival at vassar when they did like the first kind of big public reading Reading. and you saw it josh was king george oh nice josh was king george chris was washington i can't remember who played aaron burr but um you know that's when leslie leslie saw it then and was just like i have to have that role wow I have to have that role. Wow, what a performance. 
My goodness. That was. At Vassar. That's so funny. Yeah. So we we witnessed it. And David, who I was already friends with from my first professional show outside of grad school, um, he and I remained friends. And, you know, he was he was already attached and working on it. Right. Jefferson then. Yeah. Everybody in the room, like, the, the, they finished the last song. And there was, like, a silence for what seemed for, like forever. But it was, like, 30 seconds of just silence. And wow. then, like, a raucous applause. People didn't know what hit them. They were yeah. like, that is the best thing I've ever heard. And it was a reading. And by yeah. that time, they had the story pretty tight. Yeah. So when we did the lab and we put it on its feet, then it was like the choreography. We did three performances for invited audiences only. Then after that, excuse me, Chris's show, Holler If You Hear Me, closed early. Uh, so he then became available again to yeah. do right, the right. off-Broadway and the Broadway. Right. Yeah. So you, you'd you been a part of this from its infant stages. Yeah. Um, then you went into The Color Purple. Was that... I went in to do something. I can't... Like, I think I did Hamilton. Yeah, I did Hamilton and then Sideshow, Understudy. Oh, okay. Got it. And How then, did Color Purple come about? Uh, okay. So back to, <laughs> like, being my own representation. Yeah. yeah. I was in Seattle at the time. I had moved to Seattle after a Sideshow closed early because my wife and I, well, then my just my girlfriend, mm-hmm. we were having Solomon, our yes. son, and you know we the knew cutest we, little boy. My God, he's a mess. He's, he's how old so now? Cute. Two, two, and I have to. I've been waiting yeah. for you to be on this podcast so yeah. we could tell he's, everyone his nickname for me. You I, brought him to like a rehearsal. Yeah. He was at a rehearsal. He came to the dress the dress run. Uh huh. Yep. And so when you introduced him to me afterwards, mm. or like weeks afterwards, yeah. you said, this is Rory. He plays the sparkly lady. Sparkly lady. <laughs> he thinks I'm he sparkly lady. Shy. That is That is without a doubt the yeah. best description of my character. He wanted sparkly to hear lady. da da da. That was the only <laughs> song from the show he would listen to for months. <laughs> da da da, da da da. And then Stacy showed him... Um, like the YouTube where they play the song and just show the picture because yeah. without the moving, just the picture. Yeah. And he was like, da-da-da-da. And he could, like, what da-da-da? The sparkly lady. <laughs> oh, my to God. I'm going to have them change a, it in the playbill that I am playing the sparkly lady. None that's of this right. king stuff. There's a sparkly lady. She's postmenopausal and she's singing <laughs> da-da-da. <laughs> I don't know why she's postmenopausal, but I'll take it. You know, I love the Golden Girls because she's singing bass. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm a B. Arthur. I'll take that. Um, okay, so you, so you are going into Color Purple. I yeah. stopped you from telling that story. Well, no, we'd gone to Seattle. I was in Seattle doing a bunch of great theater in Seattle. Love that community. Okay, go do the work there. They're amazing, um, and. Every day, I usually, I just have a habit of going online and I just look at Playbill or look yeah. at Equity just to see whether I'm in a job or not. I always go on just to see what's coming down the pike. Yeah. Because a lot of times for Equity, if you go on there every day, you see stuff auditioning like two years prior. Yeah. You're like, oh, I remember like the mystery of Edwin Drood. Yeah. I remember when they first started auditioning for that and then it didn't come to Broadway for like right. two or three years later. Right. So I was online looking at Equity, and I see open calls for Color Purple, right? a revival of Color Purple. I was like, open calls? That means they've already done yeah. the principal auditions. And I was like, what the hell? I didn't hear about this at all. Right. Called my agents up. I was like, hey, listen, I just saw this on Equity. What's up with that? Was I submitted? They were like, oh, we don't know. I was like, what do you mean you don't know? Did you forget I sing? Like, what happened? And I had already done a musical or two in New York, yeah. even though my background is in musicals. Um, after grad school, I just was considered an actor, I suppose. So then, um, so they were like, okay, yeah, we'll check on it. They called me back immediately. They were like, we don't know what happened, but we submitted you. And they, what, they almost got that mother, oh, almost got him. We almost I got, got it. one eye. I can't see. <laughs> so, but um, they were like, can you fly here? For callback weekend, they'll see you for callback weekend if you can get here. Wow. From Seattle. From Seattle. Mind you, 
I'm doing theater in Seattle, which means I had no money. Right. And I just had a new baby. And we just moved all of our shit from New York. I had no funds. Mm. Called my dad, asked to borrow some money for a flight. Yeah. Found a round trip ticket for 430 bucks at the last minute, fortunately. I held my agents to the fire, though. I said, listen, I will I will come back for this audition. But I was like, you better get me two more auditions at least while I'm there. Right. Make the most of Because I'm not coming back for just this. And y'all dropped the ball. Yeah. So you better make up for it. So they got me two other auditions. And I came back and I did those auditions. And I then also told them, I said, I need two more auditions and... I need you to tell Color Purple I need to know before I leave New York whether they want me or not. Right. And that's what happened. Wow. I went, did two auditions. I mean, two or three auditions for a couple of other things. And I went in, did the audition. I didn't think I got it. Because at the end of the audition, John Doyle said, so, you know, we're not." I can't do a Scottish accent, but he said, you know, we're not going to, there's no makeup or hair and the show you're supposed to age. I mean, you know, the show spans like 40 years. Right. We're not doing any of that stuff. He said that at the end. So I was like, oh, I'm too young, which I thought going into it. Right. Because Mr. They usually cast him as like this big older brooding guy. Um, although I thought he should be young because it helps us receive the story a little bit more. Sure. And then I got a callback. I was like, okay, there might be a chance here. So at the callback, at the end of the callback, then he said, can you do it like you're 60? So I did it again, as if uh, in my imagination of being 60. And then I found out the next day, like by lunch, that I had gotten it. Wow. So we moved everything back to New York. (laughs) That's always how it goes. Always. Always. And then my contract for Color Purple after a year was done in November... By that time, we had already kind of started loose talks about how right. I can join Hamilton Because you'd already again. been a part of the family. That's and right. That's done right. the role. That's right. And so they looked for an opportunity for me to come join the Broadway cast. Yeah. And then they looked for an opportunity for me to join the Chicago cast. And I said, um, you know, uh, we really want to get back west. So I know that eventually you guys are going to do something for L.A. Right. Call me when that's, when that's a little more solidified and here we are and here in the drum room in san francisco at the orpheum theater (laughs) having so much fun having so much fun swatting away bugs yeah um let let me ask you just a specific like actor question mr and george washington could not be more different yes how do you attack like obviously i've i've seen your George Washington, wonderful portrayal, many many times. I got, I was privileged enough to see the cast of Color Purple, which was a remarkable production, mm. and your performance was so good. Mm. That has got to be a really specific challenge as an actor, totally. because he's horrible, yeah, and he, but he's a human, and yeah. the story makes you see both of those things sure um so how you tackle a character like that is it different than you do with george washington uh yes i mean my preparation for it wasn't necessarily different because i they're both historically based stories uh the the uh setting of these stories is historical yeah and so I love you, There's a lot of things to research. There's in, a lot the of stuff to periods. research. And I always do. I love history. I yeah. love giving myself kind of that firm, realistic, historical foundation. Because sure. you get so much information from that in terms of even how to approach this thing. Right. And so I did that with both. I think the difference is, is that um, I wanted Mr. to be... I wanted to accomplish two things with Mr. With Mr., I wanted him to be uh, <laughs> I wanted him to be the scary black guy on the train that every white person was afraid of. <laughs> but but not not for any reason other than they just are unfamiliar. He right. just looks scary. That's right. it. Cuz I get that look all the time sometimes. Huh. If I'm not dressed, you know, neatly and my hair isn't neat and all that shit. You know, I get that look all the time. So I wanted him to be like, uh, 
in a sense, I wanted him to be the black man that America created mm-hmm. or tried to create mm-hmm. and has created in many cultures, in many communities, rather. I also wanted him to be the man that a lot of women who are in domestic abuse relationships, I wanted him to be the man that they are in a relationship with. Right. Meaning, I wanted him to be charming mm-hmm. at some point. I wanted him to be sexy at some point. I wanted him to be accessible mm-hmm. so that those women and men could see themselves in him. Right. And hopefully that'll translate into their own lives. Hmm. It's a lot to juggle, though. You know what I mean? Like that. And I, yeah. you did. You, you absolutely did. I just, it's such a, a challenge. It's a unique challenge, especially yes. with a subject matter yeah. like domestic violence. That, that kind, of, and especially that kind of abuse. And absolutely. The, and because it's a, t- a certain time. Yes. And yes. you know that's that's a lot. That's it's a, a lot. lot. And I, but. I think that it was necessary in order to let the story be of service. Yes. And Cynthia and I talked about this a lot. We, we, you know, we'd had many conversations after the show over the phone till late night about like how much of ourselves we're bringing to this story. And I brought a ton of myself into this, into the color purple. You know, I'm like, no, I'm not a person that subscribes to domestic abuse, you know, but Mr. Emotions, I can totally... Yeah. Uh, relate to. Sure. And I can totally relate to uh, the product of history that creates a person like Mr. Sure. Unfortunately, the script doesn't delve into a lot of that because the story is it's, uh, you know, it's about um, Seely. I'm saying Seeley. the musical yeah, yeah. script. Right. I mean, the, the, book, the book, yeah. Alice Walker's book goes into. Yeah, that. yeah. Which is another great resource. Oh my god! But the the, the musical book doesn't for yeah. economy reasons and yeah, you know for whatever reason. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, well, it's it's a real masterclass to me to watch an actor like you. When I di- I didn't know you when I saw you in the color purple, and then to get to know you and you mm. just be this warm, sweet person, <laughs> and then to get to see you be so commanding and. Uh, heroic and courageous as mm-hmm. George Washington and what a you're you're very versatile and you. and you know I'm really proud to be on a stage with you I wish you had saw me do booty candy um I don't know what that is but I <laughs> definitely wish I saw you do booty candy that, whatever it was by far that is the be- I you know I hate to say it I did no shade on like any past director but that is by far the best time I've ever had on stage is doing booty candy in Seattle at Intamon Theater. Yeah, yeah, that's a gr- I've never I've never oh been there, God. but I know that's a great theater. Huh? Oh, Robert O'Hara wrote booty candy. Malika Oyetaman, she is an up and coming director. She was fabulous. My amazing cast. Um, it, and the story is just brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliantly written, and the way that it's told was brilliant. I I had so much fun doing booty candy. It's it's amazing because like you know people wouldn't understand from the outside like you can say like if you're in Hamilton, there's nothing that can ever compare and oh. obviously in many ways that's that's true but to be able to have something that it was was special yes. that it was in Seattle that it, that only a few select people got to see yes that's there's a place in your heart and in your soul that yes. could nothing could ever compare with that yes and that's a beautiful thing yeah. it's the blessing and the curse of being in theater because. You it's it you do something and barely anybody gets to see it. Mm-hmm. You can't recreate it. Yeah. But the fact that you can say I was in this room yes. and I shared that experience with the audience. That's right. For them. That's right. And that you it's it's very communal. That you know that's the beauty of what we do. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm really really glad that I got to talk with you. Oh, thank you. This was probably covered the we, most of is, any conversation I've had. We started this off. This is the most we've gotten to know running, each other get, since grab we the started. Break. That's true. Well, that's also why but, I love doing it. That's right. Do you ever get an hour to sit down and talk with your fellow actor yeah. about You have to schedule are, time. Could... You have to be like, Roy, yes. will you meet me at the theater exactly. at three? So we could just yes. get to know each other. Yes. Well, that's why I'm 
I'm really glad that you did it, and I'm glad I get to speak with other cast members. Please tell them that it's harmless and and I fun. I will. And I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming in Thank early. You now for let's do me. Hamilton and American Musical. It's so much fun. <laughs> Here we go. Audition side job swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 